Amen. What a great thought and what a great understanding of what it's going to be like to be there in heaven and in, a, in the midst of a culture that tells us all the time, don't sweat the small stuff. I would simply say, don't miss the small stuff. Don't miss those moments when we get to come before God's throne to lift up His praise, to pour out our hearts and to cry out to Him, Alleluia. Holy, holy, holy. What a glorious God we serve. As we come today, I want to encourage you, don't miss the small stuff. And I want to encourage you there in a practical way. Because oftentimes we come to the end of books, the end of our studies, and we come and we just sort of gloss over and skim over and run past it. But I want to encourage us not to quickly run past, too quickly run past the endings of the, the messages, the epistles that the Apostle Paul writes. And as we come today to study and to see, I doubt very seriously whether if we were doing anything other than preaching systematically, section by section, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through books of the Bible, I doubt very seriously whether this passage would ever get preached at all. But I want to encourage you, don't run quickly past what this passage says. Let it sink into your hearts. Let it sink into your life. Because this passage is so rich and lush with nourishing truth from God about helping us through our common and everyday ordinary experiences. See, it it shows us that our God is a God who reigns and rules, but He doesn't just reign and rule over the grandiose, over the great. He doesn't just reign and rule over the most magnificent of lives. He reigns and rules in the midst of each and every one of our ordinary lives. In the midst of our commonplace, everyday events, God is reigning and ruling, and He is intensely interested in our interpersonal relationships. God is a God who is reigning and ruling, and He is intensely interested in our missions efforts to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. God is reigning and ruling, and He is intensely interested in each and every one of our lives that should be filled with the good works that He prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. And so as we come today, I don't want us to miss that, that our God is a God of providence. Indeed, He is a God who is reigning and ruling over the common and ordinary things. In fact, Louis Burkhoff defines God's providence in this way when he says the work of God in which He preserves all His creatures is active in all that happens in the world and directs all things to their appointed end. Do you believe that about the God of the Bible? That's what the Bible tells us about God. That's what it tells us about how He lives and interacts with, how He interacts with the lives of His people within this world. That our God is indeed a God who works, the creator of all of the things within the universe. He is a God in which He preserves all His creatures. He is constantly, every day, active in all that happens in the world. And He directs all things to their appointed end. Indeed, Elizabeth Cheney's poem, Overheard in an Orchard, is an appropriate poem to remember within the life and context of our Christian lives. And listen to what Emily Cheney says. Said the robin to the sparrow, I would really like to know why those anxious human beings rush around and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, Friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly Father such as cares for you and me. Do you often find yourself busy? 
So busy that you find yourself feeling isolated, feeling alone, feeling like nobody else knows who you are, where you are, what you're going through. Listen, we have a God, a providential God who is watching over you, who is intensely interested in each and every aspect of your life. God is a God of the ordinary. He is a God of the commonplace. He is a God of our everyday lives and he cares intensely for you. Well, pastor, how can you say that? I can say that with bold confidence because I know this, that our God loved you enough to send His only begotten Son to die on the cross so that He might redeem you from your sins and make you sons and daughters of the Most High. He loves you that much. He not only loves you enough to send His Son, but for those who have repented of their sins and placed their faith in Jesus Christ, He loves you enough to send His Spirit to live within you, to guide you and to guard you in the midst of our lives so that indeed we might live to His glory as we come today. Indeed, we need to remember passages like Matthew chapter 10, verses 29 through 31, where it reminds us of just how valuable we are. For indeed, it says, do not two sparrows cause such a small sum and yet not one of them fall to the ground apart from your father and it says in verse 30 it says but the very hairs of your head are all numbered for some of us that's easy for some of you it's hard i had to grow some on the chin so that i could uh, prove that i could actually grow hair somewhere on my head but the reality is the numbers of our hairs are counted upon our head. But listen to verse 31. So do not fear, for you are more valuable than the sparrows. You are more valuable than the sparrows. God is watching over you. He's watching over each and every step. And in His grace, He extends to us to be partakers in His kingdom. But it doesn't stop with just being a partaker in His kingdom. It actually comes in the fact that we become partners in His purpose. And His purpose is to extend the gospel of redemption, not only to you, not only to me, but to the entire community of Goldsboro, North Carolina, to the entire state of North Carolina, to the entire country of the United States, of America to the entire continent of North America and to the ends of the earth. He wants you and I to see that not only is He providential in our relationships, He's providential in our missions activities, He is also providential in giving us good works that we ought to be doing moment by moment and day by day. And so as we come today, let us see that we are partners in God's purpose. Partners in God's purpose. Let's take our Bibles and turn there to Titus chapter 3 and verses 12 through 15 and let's stand in honor of the reading of this, God's holy and infallible word. It says in Titus chapter 3 verses 12 through 15, when I send Artemis and Tychicus to you, make every effort to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Diligently help Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way so that nothing is lacking for them. Our people must also learn to engage in good deeds, to meet pressing needs, so that they will not be unfruitful. All who are with me greet you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Our people must learn to engage in good deeds, to meet pressing needs, so that they 
will not be unfruitful. Father, teach us to do these things. Teach us to live in your grace and, Father, to live for your glory. Lord, moment by moment, may we seek and serve you. Father, we ask now that your Holy Spirit would come and illuminate this passage of Scripture, that we wouldn't just gloss over it, but we would fully take in and comprehend what it means to be partners for your purpose. Lord, we ask now that you would speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Speak, Lord. For your servants are listening, in Jesus' name, amen. We see in this passage that God has chosen sinful people like you and I, redeemed by Jesus Christ to be His partners in carrying the gospel message to the ends of the earth. That's the way God has chosen to extend, to fulfill the Great Commission. He could have surrounded the world and let the angels sing glory to God in the highest every day, all year long, and proclaim the gospel through angelic voices. But He has chosen to take sinful and fallen people, people who had rejected Him, rebelled against Him, who had chosen to go there own way he has chosen to take you and i and to redeem us and then to make us instruments of redemption to extend that gospel call to the ends of the earth and we need to see and understand that we are partners we are partners with god and we are partners with one another seeking to fulfill taking that gospel message to the ends of the earth Indeed, there are often uh, examples of teamwork and uh, partnership that that are fitting but I, i read of one that was very interesting Newspaper, uh, newspaper photographer wanted to get some photos, some close-up photos of a fire that was just outside the city. And so he talked to his boss and he got them to hire out an airplane so that he could go up and fly over the flat fires and get some first-hand photographs that were just amazing. And so when he get, talked to the boss into doing that, he said, okay, fine, we'll charter a flight. You go on out to the airport. They'll meet you. They'll take you up. You can get the photos and we'll have the best headlines of any of the newspapers in the area. So he goes to the airport and there is an airplane waiting on the tarmac and it's already ready and running. He runs up to it. He jumps in. He says, okay, I'm ready. Let's go ahead and let's take off. The the person spins around, rolls out to the runway. He takes off. They get up and he says, all right, let's head over towards the fire. So they head towards the fire and he says, okay, now I want you to go down and make three or four passes so I can get some really good shots, some really close shots of the fire. And the man looks at him and says, what in the world do you want me to do that for? He said, well, I'm a photojournalist. I I need some pictures of this fire to take back so we can print the headlines tomorrow. And the man, the, the pilot looks back and says, what in the world? You're not the flight instructor. We got a problem. Because these partners are not there for the same purpose. They weren't understanding exactly what was going on but the reality is for us as christians there are times when we struggle to understand where we are and what we're supposed to be doing we struggle to get a line of sight on the entirety of what is going on in the gospel kingdom in the gospel ministry and so we need the help of god for him to come and and set us in order so that the family of god can be rightly related and complete his purpose of the great commission and so as we come today we come to see that god has chosen sinful people redeemed by jesus christ to be partners and carrying the gospel message to the ends of the earth. Let's begin there in verse 12. And there in verse 12, we see that as God's partners, we are never alone. It says in verse 12, I sin, I, when I sin, Artemis or 
Tychicus to you, make every effort to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. As Paul comes to a close of his letter, he wants to remind Titus, hey, Titus, listen, I know you're struggling. I know you're having a difficult time. I know this, this church at Crete is more than you bargained for, but I just want you to remember one thing. Titus, the ministry and the gospel that you are a part of is bigger than just you or your personal ministry. You need to have a line of sight that is greater, that is grander than just there where you are. For Titus, listen, God has saved you from your sin for the purpose of being a participant and a partner in the Great Commission. He hasn't left you alone. This meant that Paul, that Titus and Timothy, all of the brothers and sisters mentioned throughout the New Testament, they are all more a part of something greater than themselves, grander than themselves. None of them are independent. None of them are isolated. None of them are an island to themselves. None of them are spiritual lone rangers. Hey, Titus, you're there and you're serving as an elder, setting everything in order in Crete. I know you're struggling. I know you're having a hard time. But listen, I'm going to send somebody else to take care of that. You come back with me. You come away with me. You step out of that. Listen, you need to understand that as Christians, we are interdependent partners functioning for the furtherance of the gospel. And just like Titus had to see that, we must see it as well. And as the winter is approaching, as travel is about to cease on the dangerous dangerous seas, he wants to make sure that Titus makes every effort to come to him. Don't spare anything. Don't wait when once Artemis or Tychicus get there. I want you to come to me because I know you have a great purpose in the gospel here with me, but I also know you need encouragement. You're not alone. You need to talk to your father in the faith. Why was Paul this adamant about it? Well, Paul was into what we call personal discipleship relationships. He was adamant about sharing his life with others, about reaching in and sharing his ministry with others. And so he wants Titus to come out from that stress and the mess in Crete, and he wants to come and be refreshed. And I want you to understand, Paul knew people, and he knew them closely. He knew them intimately. Over 100 names Paul uses in the midst of his epistles in the New Testament. He knows the people and the places and where where they are and what they're going through in an intimate way so that he can pray for them, so that he can encourage them, so that he can disciple them. We ought to have that same, same perspective. For Paul was a people person engaged in personal relationship and personal discipleship, and we ought to be doing that as well. And Paul partnered with people, even though Paul was an apostle. He worked in tandem with believers from all kinds of backgrounds, from all, all kinds of different places, and he had friendships with faithful followers because he knew and understood the importance of those faithful friendships to faithful service. He knew and understand, he knew and understood the interdependency of the community of Christ within this world. In Romans chapter 12, verse 5, Paul says, So in Christ, we who are many form how many bodies? Many bodies? No, we who are many form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. What he's saying is, hey, I need you. And you need me. 
I need to be a part of your life and you need to be a part of my life. In Proverbs 27, verse 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We need those relationships. We need those personal relationships because we need to understand that faithful followers of Jesus Christ have faithful friendships that spur one another on to love and good deeds and service of the gospel. The best friendships that you'll ever develop will be through shared experiences within the church and within the ministry because there we find friends that are closer than a brother. We find friends that are able to see and to know exactly where we are and what we're going through. And they don't just speak the wisdom of the world into our lives. They speak the wisdom of God's Word into our lives. That's what we need. That's what we need within our lives and hearts. See, Paul was friends with all kinds of people. He was a friend with Dr. Luke and he was a friend with a runaway slave. The same man had many friends who were excellent par excellence in knowledge and understanding of the Hebrew text of Scripture. But then he had other friends who didn't even know who Father Abraham was. He was a man who was authentic in his relationship. See, this was a real man writing a real letter to a real son in the faith. We ought to be encouraged by that. Do you have personal relationships or do you tend to isolate yourself? Do you tend to alienate yourself? Do you tend to make yourself an island unto yourself? See, that's my temptation. That's where I struggle. That I would tend to pull back and pull away and isolate myself from other people. But the text of Scripture comes and says, Hey, listen, Titus, don't forget that you're a part of a bigger plan. You're part of a bigger, uh, bigger purpose. And you need to remember those personal relationships. Isn't it interesting also here in verse 12, we find two names, Artemis and Tychicus. Who, who knows Artemis? Anybody else know Artemis? Yeah, that's what I thought. He's not mentioned another time in the whole Bible. This guy's a nobody. You, you don't know anything else about him. Anybody know Tychicus? Well, we don't know much more, but we know a few more things about him. He's mentioned at least several other times in the Bible. And Tychicus, evidently, in Colossians 4, 7, he's made a mark on Paul because Paul says of Tychicus, he is a dear brother, a faithful minister, a fellow servant of the Lord. Those are some good features. Those are some great features. But understand, Paul's saying, hey, whether I send you Artemis, who you don't know about and haven't ever heard of and won't ever hear of again, or I send you Tychicus. These brothers are faithful servants of God. For some of us, nobody knows our name and we wonder if we're just spinning our wheels in ministry. You are not spinning your wheels in ministry because God is the God of nobody and He's God of somebody. Other people will have their name known and recognized through the course of ministry. But the reality is no one is more important than the other. We are all one in the family of God and we all have a purpose of serving our great Creator. That is exactly why Paul said that indeed we are many parts but we are one body. There are times when we feel abandoned and alone. There are times 
when we are tempted to pursue independence and isolation, when we are tempted to become islands to ourselves. But God is with us in His Spirit, through His Spirit and through His body. God is with us in the midst of His spiritual family. And so as we went to Sasheki, we went there to Sasheki and we ministered to Mark and Melinda Wynn and we have been praying for them for quite some time. But one day we had the great privilege of walking in and there was a new face. None of us knew who, who he was or where he was from, but it was a young guy named Daniel Scott. And it was, he's a guy that lives out in the middle of the bush in Zambia. He is removed by three and a half hours from Sasheki, which might be commonplace or comparable to LaGrange. He's three and a half hours outside of the city. He's in the middle of nowhere. And Daniel and Sky have been there for eight years serving our Lord faithfully. Building with their own hands a canvas hut, a canvas house to live in. A water tower. Putting up a cell phone tower so that they can reach out and get in contact with the outside world every now and then. Traveling by boat most of where they go, ministering in the midst of villages to what to us, to those who seem so insignificant and in the midst of obscurity. And yet Daniel and Sky and Riverbell and Country, yes, he's from Georgia. Those are his kids' name. Riverbell and Country, they are ministering faithfully in the backwoods of Africa for the glory of God. And you know what? we were able to bring a little heater that could run off the solar panels that he's hooked up and wired to his house so that they might have a little bit of power from time to time. We were able to bring a a, a heater so that his son could stay in the tent that gets down to 19 degrees. Oh, by the way, his son was born in April. Can you imagine that? Sacrificing, making those sacrifices for the furtherance of the gospel, working in the midst of what seems like obscurity, seemingly insignificant, and yet God strengthens you. God is there. He is walking beside you. And just at the right time, He brings a group of missionaries from Adamsville Baptist Church over to minister beside you and to bring to you a heater that might bless you and carry you through. Isaiah 43, 1-3 or is a passage that, that both Daniel and Sky hold to when it says, do not fear for I have redeemed you I have called you by name you are mine when you pass through the waters I will be with you and through the rivers they will not overflow you when you walk through the fire you will not be scorched nor will the flame burn you for I am the Lord your God the Holy One of Israel your Savior lonely isolated alone The Christian is never there because the Christian is in God's hands and he's in God's family. As partners with with God, we are never alone. We are dependent upon God and we are dependent upon one another. Verse 13, he goes on and says, not only are we never alone, but as God's partners, we are to give to those that go. We are to be supportive of those who are going. Once again, we know a lot about one of these guys and not much about the other. This man, Zenos, was a lawyer. We're not sure if he is an expert in Mosaic law, Old Testament law, or whether he is 
an expert in Roman jurisprudence, but we don't know anything else about him. But here is a nobody right beside another notable Apollos, the man about whom Acts chapter 18 says he is a believer who has much zeal, who has a great knowledge of Scripture. And when he spoke, he did so very eloquently and with great fervor, with accuracy and boldness. Here we are, notable and nobody side by side again. But you know what? They're both working for the glory of God. They seem to be missionaries. They've been sent to Crete. And it seems as though they were probably carrying the very letter that we are reading this morning that we have been studying for these last few months. These men show up on Crete and they minister to the church there on Crete. And then Paul says, but listen, I want you to do one more thing. I want you to make sure to provide for them in such a way that nothing is lacking. I want you to do everything you can, Timothy, to help them. And not only to help them, but to help them in a timely manner. This, this word that has everything also indicates speedily or in a, in a manner that is uh, fast or, or uh, consistent with going ahead and sending them on their way. See, we're not to wait to give, but we are to do so generously and quickly so that missionaries can then be sent out to serve. And the phrase, this phrase also occurs in Acts chapter 15, verse 3. The church sent them on their way. Paul described how the believers assisted him in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 6, when he says, so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. The idea is to send forward on one's journey and to do it in earnestness and to do it in a timely manner. One of the clear sections of scripture that speak to this this is third john verses five through eight where it says dear friend you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers even though they are strangers to you i want you just to stop there you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers even though they are strangers to you even though you don't know the name mark and melinda win even though you don't know the name cindy is cindy and um i can't think of his name now abbott um Truett, Cindy and Truett Abbott, who came and spent time with us, Mike and Denise Wright, even though you don't know Daniel and Sky, Scott, still our faithfulness is sending them forward. And so you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such men so that we may work together for the truth. What we see in this passage is that God's providence oftentimes flows through the pipeline of our obedience and stewardship. Hey, church, I want you to understand we have a need. God's need is for missionaries to go to the ends of the earth. And the way that He has chosen to provide for the missionaries to go to the ends of the earth is for you simply to give to those who are going. What an amazing thought. I heard of one pastor one time that told the church, he said, all right, we've got a problem with, with giving. We've got an issue with giving. I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want everybody to stand up and have the congregation stand up. He said, now I want you to reach into the back pocket of the person in front of you, and I want you to take out their wallet, and I want you to give like you've always wanted to give, but you never thought you could afford to give. We ought to give 
to those who are going because we are the pipeline of God's providence that flows through our obedience and our stewardship. Listen, it is through our giving that the ministry and then the mission of Adamsville Baptist Church is seen to complete, to minister to this community. It is through our giving that the News Baptist Association is able to run handyman ministries and the jailhouse ministries and the migrant ministries. It is through our giving that the State, State Baptist Convention of North Carolina is able to reach out and to minister to those within its borders is through our giving, our faithful giving, that the IMB missionaries, nearly 5,000 of them, are able to be on the front lines of the field administering the gospel each and every day. It is our giving that allows the rights and the habits and the wints and the scots to be there on the front lines. It is through our giving as we drop our offerings in the plate each and every Sunday that 5,100 North American missionary, Mission Board missionaries are supported so that they can take the gospel to the hard places here in North America. It is through our giving that we are seeing lives changed and people touched for the glory of God and the gospel is shaping and transforming lives. It is through our giving that we have six seminaries that are funded so that we might train up and raise up future leaders of the glorious gospel church of Jesus Christ within our community, within our nation, and within our world. It is through our giving that God wants to provide for the needs of His people. Listen, our obedience and stewardship is oftentimes the pipeline of God's providence. And as we partner with God, we will give to those who are going. Verse 14 says, as God's partners, not only are we going to give to those who are going, but we are also going to show gospel fruit. See, it is as if Paul can't conclude the book without just one more appeal for good works. Hey, listen, you have been saved by grace. You have been changed by the grace of Jesus Christ. But now you need to walk in that grace. You need to stand in that grace. You need to move in that grace. My guess is the reason that he has to come back and address good works once again is because, let's just be frank, let's just be honest, it's oftentimes hard for you and I to do good works when nobody's going to give us anything in return. See, we'll do good works as long as somebody's going to do something nice for us in return. It's true that we often are consumed with laziness or our own lives, and so we choose not to do good works for the sake of the gospel. We need constant reminders because when we do good works, we give an opportunity for the gospel to be heard within our culture and within our world. Notice also that we must learn to devote ourselves to doing what is good. He doesn't say, hey, it'll happen by accident. Hey, you'll just fall into it. You've got to determine for yourself that you're going to do God good works and you're going to do good deeds for the furtherance of the gospel. Second Peter chapter one, verses five through eight, remind us that we are to walk in these things and that it takes effort. It says now for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence in your moral excellence, knowledge and in your knowledge, self-control in your self-control, perseverance and in your perseverance, godliness and in your godliness, brotherly kindness and in your brotherly kindness, love for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this morning. Where are you in God's kingdom? 
Are you useful or useless? Are you fruitful or unfruitful? The reality is some of us need to work hard on good works, don't we? We need to be working to change and to expand ourselves in these areas. As we approach next week, we will have the opportunity next week to do a good work and participate in good deeds through supporting the Gideons and their placement of Bibles throughout this world. Next month, we will begin to fill shoeboxes for Operation Christmas Child so that we can send them to the end of the earth and the gospel might go forward. We can always be on the lookout in the midst of our community for Operation opportunities to bless those within our neighborhood in September and October. We'll have a chance to go out to the Wayne County Fair and to minister to our community and to share the gospel so that some might come to know Jesus Christ. In October, we'll get to celebrate homecoming and revival services with Pat Kilby as he comes and preaches for us. And we'll have the opportunity to extend the gospel within this community and around the world. We will have the opportunity in November and December to participate participate in Lottie Moon Christmas offering for the furtherance of the International Mission Board missionaries so that the gospel might be go, go forward even in the midst of those hard and difficult places like Sasheki, Zambia. Today we have opportunities to serve in the nursery, to work with Awana, to come alongside and minister in the youth to serve beside our Sunday school teachers and minister to those within our classes. We have opportunities to start other Sunday school classes and to minister to our community. We have opportunities to share in the good work so that the gospel might go forward here in our community. And so even now we need to begin to pray and ask God to teach us how to walk in love and good deeds. How many of you have watched the Olympics at least once this week? Anybody? Have you watched this young man? I I can't remember his name. What's his name? Michael Phelps? Anybody know who I'm talking about? Y'all all know who I'm talking about, don't you? This young man, he's won 22 medals in his historic career. 18 of those medals are gold medals. Let me ask you, how many of those do you think he won by accident? Not a single one, did he? You know why? Six hours a day, six days a week, he was training. He was pouring himself in to the work that he had to do so that he could learn to swim properly. Indeed, it is amazing to hear his story of how he used to train blindfolded so that nothing could distract him, nothing could deter him. He would be able to swim the race even when he was blind. And indeed, one of his gold medals, he tells the story of the fact that only two or three meters into the first lap, he, his eyes, his goggles filled with water and he was unable to see for the rest of the race. And yet he was able to focus to be able to win the gold medal. Listen, Christian, if we want to be people filled with good works, we must focus, we must learn, we must concentrate on giving ourselves to doing that which is good in the gospel. As we come this morning, we come knowing that God has many things to do in our hearts and in our lives. There are many distractions that fill us and many times that we are deterred from doing these things. But Barbara Bush talked about her experience. She opened up and said, you know, uh, while I was first lady, I was coming out of a period of depression. 
And as she was interviewed about this period of depression, she said, you know, one of the things that helps me the most is to devote myself to the service of others. You know, as I threw myself into serving others, I found that it helped me get out of my myself. I wasn't spending all day thinking about myself and my problems. I was giving myself away. And the funny thing she said, as I gave myself away in serving others, I felt better. Brothers and sisters, let us give ourselves away. Let us give ourselves to God and the gospel of Jesus Christ that redeems us from sins. And let us give ourselves to our community, serving one another in love and in good deeds, spurring one another on in love and good deeds. Let us be a church that indeed reaches out and ministers faithfully the gospel of Jesus Christ so that the gospel might go forward in our church, in our community, in our city, in our country, and in our world there are two places you may be today first of all you may be tempted today to say well you know i don't have any hope that's okay because jesus christ is the hope of the world he is the light of the world and if today you will hear the message that he indeed gave his life on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins and was raised to have victory over sin death and hell and today you would soften your heart hear that call for that Jesus is calling you with to come and to follow him, then today you would be saved and you would have hope everlasting. For some of you, you're here today and you say, well, I don't want to be in too big a hurry. This may be the last day that you have. This may be the last chance that you hear the gospel presented and you may not have another opportunity because today is the day of salvation. I want you to hear and understand there is a finitude that each of us deal with and that finitude tells us of the reality of the brevity of life. It tells us of the reality of the certainty of death. It tells us of the fact that indeed there is coming a day when we will stand before our Maker and we will have to give an account and the only account that will be accepted on that day is Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and He has delivered me from sin, death, and hell. Some of you are saying, I don't want to hurry into that. I've got plenty of time. You never know what tomorrow holds. And so I plead with you today. Today is the day of salvation. Give your heart, give your life to Jesus Christ as He calls you, because without Him, you can't do anything. Father, as we close today with that song, Without Him, I can do nothing. I pray that you would write it upon our hearts. Write it upon our hearts that we are dependent upon you. Write it upon our hearts that we need you to deliver us, Father, from the penalty of sin, death, and hell. Father, write it upon our hearts that you have loved us so much that in your providence you have given your Son, Jesus Christ, to redeem us from our sins, to deliver us to new life. So that we would not only be partakers in your kingdom, but so that we would be participants, partners in your gospel purpose of taking that message to the ends of the earth. Father, would you lead us and guide us today? Help us to see that without you we can do nothing. Lord, lead our decision time even now. In Jesus' name, amen. As we stand this morning to sing our hymn of invitation.